Appreciate that scripture reading in Exodus 12, 12 through 14 from Brother Mino this morning. Grateful to see a few visitors here this morning. I see that some of our folks who are typically here are probably away with their families in a different congregation this morning as well. But we are grateful for everybody's attendance. In the December the 18th Gospel Minutes, I know some of you received that in the mail and we have copies out here, there was a a very good article by Brother David Thurman and it was simply entitled, Remember. And I would like to begin this morning's lesson with the same section of scripture that he focused on in that article and that is Joshua 4 beginning at verse 1. I'm not going to preach his article, but it was, it's a good place to start. It says in Joshua 4 and verse 1 and following, And it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. According to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. So they're crossing over and the water is is like with Moses in the Red Sea and the, the waters there have parted because the priests are standing there with the Ark of the Covenant and God commands Joshua and says go out there and get 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan excuse me excuse me again and he said when you do that you take those 12 and you take them back and those are going to be a memorial Those are going to be a memorial for you, for you to tell your children what happened this day. Look with me down further, if you would, in verse 18. 
And it says there, following along, And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. These two accounts of, of the Red Sea and now the Jordan River, these were something God was not going to do on a regular basis. And so, as generations and time went by, God wanted the people to remember. And some of the children that would be born to them, and the children that would be born to them as they went down through the different generations, they weren't going to see something like this. So, God said, take these stones out of the river and put them there as a memorial. When your kids ask why, you tell them this story. You see, God has always been big on memorials. God has always been big on remembrances. God has always been big on physical, visual reminders of the blessings that he has bestowed on his people. You know why? Because God knows that we are but dust. He knows that we forget easily. Did the Israelites forget time and again their God? And so, God knows that without visual constant memorials or reminders like that pile of stones, we forget. In fact, take a look with me in Numbers, if you would. Numbers chapter 15. God is big on memorials and physical reminders. Numbers 15. Look with me beginning down in verse 37. Where it says, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners, and you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember to do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. God said, you people are going to want to do what you're going to want to do. But I want you to have a reminder. So you take this, this little blue thread and you sew it into the tassel. So when you look on that, you'll remember who I am. You'll remember what I did for you in bringing you out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And by looking at that thread, it will be a reminder not to do what you want to do, but to remember who I am and that you are my people. Have you ever considered that almost all of the major feasts and celebrations of the Jews were simply, simply, visual reminders and memorials instituted by God 
so that his people would not forget how helpless and hopeless and enslaved they had been previously and how incredibly, how unbelievably, how powerfully God had rescued them. Almost all of their feasts and remembrances were exactly that. For example, you know why the Jews were commanded to observe the Sabbath day? It wasn't just so they could rest. I'll show you. Go with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 5, would you please? Look at why they were to do that. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, as the next generation there is getting ready to enter the promised land, Moses reiterates the Ten Commandments. And look what he says in Deuteronomy 5 verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. And then he gives them these instructions. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, your son, your daughter, male servant, female servant, ox, donkey, your cattle, your stranger, anyone in your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now, that's all well and good. It was a time of rest. They needed to do that. But look at why. The next verse. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand by an outstretched arm therefore that's the reason the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath that was the purpose for instituting the Sabbath yes so that the people could rest but also so that they would rest and consider how awesome their God was and what he had done therefore that's the reason I'm instituting the Sabbath God says so that you will remember who I am. You will take time to stop in your busy schedules and stop work and stop all of those earthly considerations and stop and rest and remember what I have done for you. That was the purpose. It was a visual reminder. Did you know the Passover was the same thing? Turn to me in your Bibles to Exodus 13. Exodus chapter 13. The Passover feast was instituted for the same purpose. It was a visible, I can say that word, it was a visible, physical reminder. It was a memorial. Something to remember what God had done for them. Exodus chapter 13 verse 3. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by the strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Beeb, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, the Hivites, Amorites, Hivites and I'm sorry, Hittites, Amorites, Hivites, and Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you will keep this service in this month. Then he gives them instructions. He says, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there will be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days. No leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. Now watch this. And you shall tell your son in that day. See, their sons and daughters and the next generation, the next generation, the next generation weren't going to see deliverance because God's going to deliver them once from Egypt and that's going to be that. But he wants those next generations to remember. So he tells these guys, he said, look. You shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done. This feast 
This Passover feast in this month, this way, is done for a reason. It is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's, Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. The reason I want you to do this, God said, I don't want you to forget me. I don't want you to forget what I've done for you. So that's why I'm instituting this feast. This is why you've got to keep it. This is what you've got to teach your children. Teach them how important it is to remember me and what I've done for you. About 40 years later, if we go ahead 40 years from this instruction being given in Exodus 13, we would see that this instruction hasn't changed. This memorial hasn't changed. Time in the passing of generations has not affected or changed God's memorial that he instituted. Because you see, God, all of God's plans are perfect, right? God's plans are perfect. His ways are not our ways, neither his thoughts our thoughts. Isaiah 55. And God had this perfect plan. And God knows us. He knows that we are but dust. He knows we need these reminders. And so God designed these reminders as the perfect way, the ultimate way for us to remember. God designed the perfect plan and the best way for his people not to forget their divine deliverance. And it was this feast done this way. About 40 years later... It hadn't changed. Look in Deuteronomy. Fast forward ahead 40 years to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16. Please turn there. And it says there in Deuteronomy 16, as the next generation, because we all know that first generation, um, we know that because of their own sin and their lack of faith and trust, they, they didn't go into the promised land, even after they had the Ten Commandments, but they traveled around and died off there in the, in the desert. But when the next generation is getting ready to go in, notice it's the same commandment. Deuteronomy 16. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Therefore... Or for that reason, that's a whole purpose of this. You shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. You'll eat no unleavened bread with it. Seven days you'll eat unleavened bread. I'm sorry, you shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste that you may remember the day. That's what this memorial was all about in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. No leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the meat which you sacrificed the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days you'll eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh there will be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. He continues. 
You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a free will offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. You shall rejoice verse 11 before the Lord your God you your son your daughter your male and female servants the Levite within your gates the stranger the fatherless the widow who are among you the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide and you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you'll be careful to observe these statutes Please notice it's a time of rejoicing. It's a time of giving back to God. It's a time of remembering God's great deliverance that he gave these people and the incredible things he did and, and the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and all that incredible, awesome power of God on display as God took his people and kept his promise and led them out of Egypt with a mighty hand. God says... I'm giving you some memorials. I want you to keep these in order that you may remember. It will keep you strong. Verse 13, it's a time of rejoicing. Verse 12, uh, verse 11. Also, verse 13 and following, you'll observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press, and you shall rejoice in you. He said, this is going to be a time I want you to just be thrilled. I want you to be awed by who I am, and I'm going to bless you, and I want you to rejoice, and I want you to remember, and what a great time this is going to be for you. Rejoice, your son, your daughter, your servants. And he goes on in verse 14 and he says seven days you'll keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord you chooses because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and all the work of your hands so that you surely rejoice God said it's gonna be an awesome time when you remember what I've done for you and I'm gonna keep on blessing you Three times a year, verse 16, all your males will appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses. Feast of unleavened bread, feast of weeks, and feast of tabernacles. They shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. God says three times a year, I want you to gather and I want you to keep these feasts and remember. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord your God which he has given you. These were to be incredible times, beautiful times of celebration and rejoicing because they were no longer slaves in the land of Egypt. These, these times, as we read down through verse 16, and I realize it's a rather lengthy reading, but as we, as we read down through, I want you to get the sense of what's going on. These were not times of something you'd go through sullenly. They were not something that you would go through thoughtlessly. They were not something that you would go through joylessly. They are not just some checklist to be kept. God said, I want you to keep these and I want you to rejoice as you remember me. These weren't things to be gone through routinely. But they were meant by God to be a time of great reflection. Great remembrance. Great happiness at being set free by God. To remember their mighty Redeemer and to appreciate Him and His God-given gift of freedom from the slavery and oppression of Egypt. Doesn't that sound like, doesn't that sound like a wonderful time? God said, I want, this to just, I want this to just lift you up as you remember who I am. But you know what? God's people, despite all of the joy we see God wanted them to have as they took this time to remember Him and kept all these memorials, 
Eventually, God's people became weary and sick and tired of these celebrations of God's goodness. They got sick and tired of these celebrations of God's great power. They got sick and tired and weary. They became a burden, these celebrations that were supposed to just take them back to how awesome their God was and and give them strength and joy. But God's people came to not see it that way. And over time... They began to put as little, as little as they possibly could into these feasts. They began to put the least amount that they could into their sacrifices to God, just enough so they could still say they were doing it. They didn't appreciate God. They didn't focus on God. It just became routine. became something they did so they could get it off their list. They stopped putting their heart into it. They stopped giving God everything they had. Malachi chapter 1 verses 6 through 14 says, And God knew the difference. That's not an exact quote, but if you read that text in Malachi 1, 6 through 14, God knew they were given as little as they could. Their hearts weren't in it. His celebrations, his, his gifts that he asked for, it had just become mundane to meet and give anything to God. And his people in Malachi, they just, God basically said, you're just going through the motions. You're just going, you're doing as little as you can. You're not taking it into heart. He says that twice in Malachi 2 and verse 2. They just weren't taking this to heart anymore. They weren't seriously and sincerely engaged in giving back to God or remembering God or doing these things. They weren't grateful anymore. And so in the tail end of the book of Malachi in chapter 3 verses 16 through 18. Even though some of his people had said, hey, it's pointless to do this. It's useless to do this. There were a few They did take God's words to heart. And because they chose to remember God's words, God said, I'm going to remember you. I'm going to bless you. Approximately 2,000 years ago, the Lord God Almighty, God in the flesh, came and dwelt amongst us. John chapter 1. And eventually... Over the next 33 or so years, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, He carried out this plan that God had in place since before the beginning of time. And that culminated in Him going to the cross and dying for you and I to set us free from sin and death. There's not a one of us in here of accountable age who deserves to be in heaven. Not a one. And if that offends you, God said it, not me. There's not a one of you in this room that's good enough to go to heaven in and of yourself if you're of accountable age. And I'm not either. Not a one. There's not a soul out there in that world that's good enough to go to heaven. Not a one. Not of accountable age. And full faculty. And so Jesus came and he died for us to set us free. To set us free from enslavement to sin, Romans 6. To set us free from having to endure the fires of eternal hell, which every one of us deserves in comparison to God and His holiness. And the night before Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, died that horribly excruciating death on a cross, He instituted one final and for all time memorial 
a physical, visible, literal reminder and feast for his faithful and grateful to observe in remembrance of him and his sacrifice and what he, God, had done for us by coming to die on a cross for us so that we don't have to go to hell like our sins deserve. He instituted one final, incredible, awesome feast that every time we observe it, it ought to take us back. Nothing else in this world should get in the way or in our thoughts except what an awesome God we have who came and set us free. Not from Egyptian bondage, not from making bricks with no straw, but from the fires of eternal hell. Jesus came and he instituted, and it makes perfect sense because God has always been big on memorials, and especially the feasts that go with them to pause and remember, and Jesus Christ instituted this incredible feast. It is not an annual, it is not some annual celebration or reenactment of his physical birth when he came into this world, which is foreign to any New Testament commandment. That's not what he instituted as a memorial. It's not what he asked for. But this memorial that he set up the night before he died for you and me was a once every seven days weekly celebration, a weekly recalling, a weekly time to sit and, and not to think about, you know, making out the church check or who's playing ball this afternoon or what are we going to have for dinner or what family, none of that stuff, but a time to sit and to reflect and to remember that we were slaves to sin, that there was no way out, but that God... God Almighty in the flesh came. He lived a life we couldn't live and he died a death we couldn't die and he paid with his perfect blood for my sin. How awesome is God? And he said, I want you to remember that this way. It is a time to reflect on his death, burial and resurrection where he came to redeem and spiritually rebirth and represent us before the throne of his Father in heaven until we get there. Look with me in Luke 22, please. This is completely consistent with the God who is so big on these memorials. And this is the, by far the biggest one of all. Verse 14, Luke 22. When the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him, and he said to them with fervent desire... I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Take that personally. It was given for you. Bob Potts, Corky House, Doug Dingley. This is my body given for you. Do this 
This is the memorial. This is the one I'm instituting. This is the one I'm concerned with. This is the important one. Do this in remembrance of me. When you get ready, I want you to take time. I want you to shut everything else off. I want it to be a time of rejoicing in what the Lord your God has done for you in delivering you from sin. I want you to put everything else away and I want you to do this. as a memorial or in remembrance of me in the first century church did please turn to first corinthians chapter eleven once the church was established even if you're very familiar with these passages please turn there first corinthians chapter eleven beginning at verse twenty three we see that the first century church did exactly that that's how they remembered him first corinthians eleven beginning at verse twenty three paul says to the church of christ in first century corinth for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, right there in the shadow of the cross, knowing all things that were going to happen to him, John 18 and verse 4, he looked at his disciples and said, I want you to do this. When he had given thanks, verse 24, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this. In remembrance of me, and in the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup's the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. In remembrance of me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We know that the first century church did that on the first day of the week. That's when they did it. In Acts 20 and verse 7, he said, As often as you remember me in this fashion... You remember in my death until I come back. Because, but you see the beauty of that? You remember my death until I come back? You see, you see the beauty? The beauty is, yeah, I died, but I'm alive because I'm coming back. Death couldn't stop me. I want you to remember that because I am the Lord your God who delivered you. Verses 27 through 29 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread... Or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. This is our physical memorial feast. This is our visible weekly reminder which our great God and Redeemer himself in his great wisdom knew was the perfect way in his plan in mind for you and I to remember. You cannot top this. You cannot improve upon this. This is perfect. God said, do this. You can't play music, light candles, replace the bread with donuts. You cannot improve on perfection any more than you can improve on your Savior. And you can't. But you know what? Here's the heartbreaker. Just like in the Old Testament, a lot of people today have become weary of this. Both those outside as well as inside the Lord's church. There are those outside the Lord's church, and I realize that they don't have any claim on communion anyway. But some denominations take it once a year or twice a year, but say, well, they're denominations. We can't be concerned with that. Okay, I understand that. But unfortunately, some of that has crept into the church, and some churches of Christ that don't take it on the Lord's Day as He commanded. Some want to add to it. Some have even replaced it. 
Some have discontinued it or altered it. Some have replaced it with a celebration of his birth once a year, in some forms. We say that's horrible. Yes, it is. But you know what else is horrible? What else is horrible is when we take the bread and the fruit of the vine in an unworthy manner, meaning this, when we put as little as possible into it. When, when it becomes routine. When we sit and we have the bread and the fruit of the vine given to us, and we're supposed to take this time and set everything else aside and, and remember the Lord as we see the color of the blood. And we remember His body without sin, no leaven. And we sit and the bread is passed and all we can think about is the guy who passed me a plate had on a funny colored shirt. Or somebody shuffled their feet back there. I wish they'd keep quiet. Or I have something that I need to get for lunch and stop at the store first. When we put as little into it as possible and don't take the time to truly at least try to focus. When we go through the motions, when it becomes ritual, when we put as little as we possibly can into it while attaching the least possible amount of importance or gratitude to it just to say we've got it done and oh, can we move on now so that we can be done. And then worse still, or same light as those Christians who don't even show up on Sunday anymore. They've insulted the blood of the covenant. We read in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19, that we are to hang on to the Lord. And that we're not to neglect the assembling of ourselves together. And we come together to break the bread. And to not be willing to even show up on a Sunday at a congregation somewhere to take of the fruit of the vine to keep the memorial feast is to take for granted what God did for us. But you see, I don't believe that God has all those subcategories. I don't believe as I read the scripture that God has one category. Well, these people have become weary of it. These people have replaced it. These people have altered it. These have discontinued it. These people don't put anything into it. These people don't even show up into it. I don't believe God has all those subcategories as I study scripture. I believe God only has two categories. Those who love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and therefore so appreciate and rejoice in everything God paid to set them free, that they are willing to pour everything they have got into this celebration. Those people who are willing to put everything they've got and everything they are and every fiber of their being that they possibly humanly can into this sacred and divinely appointed and empowering celebration week after week. And the other category is those who do not. I believe God only has two categories. I'm not talking about if we try and in our mind strays. I'm talking about if we're not really putting everything we got into trying. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 5 and verse 8, 
Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. The God who created the universe six days, who created all those feasts of remembrance in the Old Testament for his people to rejoice, came in the flesh, and the night before he died, he instituted this, and he said, this is how I want you to remember me, and I'm going to beg you right now, based on the words you've heard, we're going to observe the feast that God, our God commanded. And I'm going to urge you and beg you and plead with you this morning to pour every fiber of your being into it. For those gentlemen who lead the prayers, give God everything you've got as you, as you lead us in prayer to His throne. For those of us who sit, truly, truly clear your mind. This is a time to remember what God paid to set you free from sin and death, and Satan. And there is nothing going on in your life or mine that is more important or powerful than what Jesus Christ did for us. That's what this feast is for. Let's pour everything we've got into it because Jesus poured his lifeblood out for us. Gentlemen,